We are starting a new series today, uh, and it's entitled Christian-ish. I don't know if you've seen any of these TV shows on lately. They got a couple of them called Grown-ish, uh, a couple of other ones that, that you can go and watch. And, and it's, kind of, it's kind of this depiction of kids who want to be grown up, feel like they should be grown up, may even look like they're grown up, but they're not really grown up. You watch the show and they just keep making immature decisions because regardless of what they may look like, they still don't have the substance of an adult. And so the Lord, I was, I was just in my prayer time and was thinking about, now, what do you want us to do next? What is your heart for the church? And not just our church, but for the, the church at large and, and, and the world that we live in. And I could not get away from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so I began to read and read and read and read. And the Lord told me, he said, I have a bunch of people who are Christian in name and appearance only. Name and appearance only. And I was like, okay, I got you. I've seen those. Heck, can I be honest with you? Maybe y'all won't like this from your pastor, but that's fine. I've been that. I've been a Christian in name and appearance only. I know what it's like to know how to go through the motions so well that no one could see through it except for Jesus. None of y'all done that before. None of y'all played church. That's cool. Maybe y'all just super high spiritual people. Um, I want to sit down and talk to you and figure out how this works. Uh, because I've done it. I've done it for seasons of my life. Because here's what I know. Most people operate under this philosophy, as long as it looks good. As long as it looks good. As long as it looks good. God's like, I, I don't really care how you look. In fact, I'm going to tell you a secret. When he came out and he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, oh, y'all look real good. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember this story where Jesus, the Messiah, stood in front of a bunch of Pharisees and said, hey, all y'all look amazing on the outside. But on the inside, y'all some dirty people. Y'all are nothing like what you look like. Anybody met people like that in your life? Man, I watched you from afar off, and I thought this about you. But then when I got to know you, something ain't lining up. Something isn't lining up. And the, and the Lord told me, he said, son, my whole church has become Christian-ish. We got so good at singing the right songs. We've gotten so good at coming up with pretty little sermons. And don't get me wrong, I like pretty little sermons, okay? I like to dress it. I like to make images. I made this image. I create all our, I'm a creator. I love creativity. I love making stuff. That's not my point. You can have one and the other. It's not either or. In fact, you need to have both. You should look like it and you should walk like it. You should talk like it, and you should walk like it. Everything has to be together in order for you to walk in the 
fullness of God. And right now we have such a tendency to walk in half of what we should be walking in. And we've been seeing God, I don't know, maybe y'all haven't been coming here a lot, but let me tell you something. God is moving in this house. Like, I'm just going to tell y'all, we had, a, we had a wrecking ball of a service Wednesday night where God just showed up, wrecked all our lives. And, and here's the thing. We could have come in and sang three little songs and got a little Devo and kind of prayed it out and said, Whoop, good church service, let's go. But God said, hey, I'm tired of people having this form. Oh, we getting ready to get there. This form with no force. We got a form of godliness, but no force behind it. And so God said, you know what? I need you to teach on this. And we're going to look at the next, not next week, next week, a little, a little side note for you. Next week, we got a guest speaker coming in because me and my wife are celebrating 15 years of marriage. Amen. Come on now. That's good, right? Woo-woo. Yeah. Yeah. She put up with me for 15 years. That deserves a celebration. All right. The celebration should be that she goes somewhere by herself. That would probably be the best celebration we could give her. But I'm going to tag along. Okay, I'm just going to go and tag along with her. But, amen, so we're going to celebrate that, and a buddy of mine's coming to preach for you guys, same guy who preached Wednesday night. And um, So today we're going to intro this series, and then we're going to look at this. You can go ahead and write these down because the three weeks following, are going to, we're going to be looking at having a form of godliness but denying the power in three different areas of our life. Loving, living, and leading. We love with a form of godliness. We live with a form of godliness, and we lead with a form of godliness, but we don't have the substance underneath of all of that. Amen? So we're going to be looking at those things. Today, we're just going to intro this thing, and, and, and I'm telling you, it, I, hope, I hope that you brought some ointment, because some of this stuff that God gave me, I'm still burning from. Like, God ripped me a new one on some of this stuff. So I pray that he does the same to you. Amen? Because it's only fair. All right, if I had to do it, you got to do it. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles, I got it on the screen for you. But this is what we're going to do. I want you to take a few notes before we get going. Ish. I'm going to define it for you because y'all, like, some of y'all may be thinking that. Somewhat or kind of, but not quite it. When we talk about ish, Christian-ish, it's somewhat kind of, but not quite it. Not quite it. It's, there's something missing. It's like, it's like, man, I, I, you see, I wanted to go, I wanted to go this morning. I did try to go this morning to Walmart and buy some fake fruit. I was going to have it up here, right? And I was going to put it out in, because fake fruit is that very example of what I'm talking about. You can have it out on your table. I've actually been to people's houses that have this out on their table and I've actually reached in to grab something. And it's, it's, I'm glad I didn't bite it. I'm glad I was able to tell by just feeling it that it was wrong or else I'd have looked really dumb because I was getting ready to bite into that apple, right? And so, but that's the thing about it is, it'll look good. And the thing about it is, it may even make you hungry by looking at it. Isn't that crazy? How something fake can make you hungry by simply looking at it. But it won't ever suffice you if you try to dig into it to be the substance that you need for your life. Won't work. It's nothing but plastic or styrofoam. All right? And I don't know about y'all, but I've never had any of that taste good. All right? None of it. Put a little seasoning on it. Yeah, okay, all right. 
all right, I'm going to let that marinate for a minute because maybe it can taste all right, but it won't give you the nutrients you need. How about that? Okay, that was good. All right, you're going to keep me on my toes. I like that one. All right. But ish, somewhat or kind of, but not quite it. Next slide. 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's go ahead and start reading verse 1. Anybody like the Bible? Because we're going to read 17 verses today. I'm going to try not to slow down too much, but we may, the Lord may stop me, and we'll, we'll do it. Chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this. All right, I can't even get past three words. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> see, this is the Holy Spirit talking through Paul, right? A little history real fast. Paul is in prison right here, second time in a Roman prison. Second time in a Roman prison. And not just any prison. My dad, he's a scholar. I'm lucky. I get to pick his brain every once in a while. He texted me when he knew what I was preaching. He said, you know where he wrote this from? I said, yeah, from prison in Rome for the second time. He was like, well, let me give you some more knowledge. Boom, dropped it on me. It was awesome. He said, it was like a hole where they would lower people in to the hole on the side of a cliff. Like, like in a mountain, they'd dig a big hole and they just lowered the man of God down in it. That's what the prison was. It wasn't like prison today where Paul got, uh, you know, what's the saying? Like uh, three hots and a cot. Yes, thank you. I knew somebody would know it. Three hots and a cot. He didn't have none of that. No cot, no hot. You know what I'm saying? Like, no cot, no hot. He didn't have a pillow or nothing. Tim, by himself, one man in a hole. And in that hole, he writes out to Timothy. Man, if we could ever... Get to the point to where we stop letting our holes define what we can or cannot do for Jesus. You know, like if we could ever get to the point to where the hole doesn't determine what kind of holiness we act with, what kind of living we do, but we let the hole determine what we do. If we're in a hole, we ain't doing a thing. Paul's like, I'll be in a hole and I'll write a letter. I'm going to get the gospel out one way or another. You know, no matter what the devil tries to do to you, to pin you in, there's always an access or a resource that you can utilize to get the gospel out. I'm just telling you. Maybe y'all don't like that. Maybe y'all like having excuses. I do too. So we're on the same page. But he's in a hole, and he's writing to Paul. And the Holy Spirit said, tell Timothy, or writing to Timothy, he said, tell Timothy, I need you to understand what I'm about to say. What I'm about to say, I need you to stop and listen and understand this. Why? Because here we go. Here we go. Understand this. That in the last days, there will come perilous times. We'll come back to that. I highlighted it for you, but we'll come back because I want to keep reading. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's a mouthful, ain't it? Phew. But I tell you what, you take one by one and you'll determine, hey, there's a lot of that going on today. Right? There's a lot of that going on today. And we're going to touch on something here in just a minute. I want to teach y'all a little lesson that the Lord taught me. And we're going to touch on this because there's a lot, of, a lot of debating about this passage. And I want to hammer it home with you, with you in just a minute. Verse 5. This is, our, this is our anthem for the whole series. This verse, one verse. But we had to read the whole scripture to give context. I don't like pulling stuff out of context. Verse 5. Having the appearance of God. Now, who's having the appearance? Who looks good? All those people who are like that, 
Y'all get this, right? Like this, this ain't, this is, this is those people that are uh, arrogant and abusive and disobedient and brutal. Those people, now they look like they got Jesus. They have the appearance of godliness. But, but, everybody say but. but. Oh, there we go. We're getting there. But denying its power. What power? Whose power? The godliness. You know that if you live godly, you might have some power at your disposal? You know, if you'll just test it, just try it out. I'm just going to ask you, just, just, just be crazy. Try it out for me. Live godly for a little bit and see what happens in your life. He said, now, but they're denying its power. What does he tell us to do to those people? Avoid them. Avoid such people. But see, here's the thing about those people that look good but don't actually have the substance behind it. They're easy to be around because they can help you justify your living. They make you feel better about you not living righteously. So we don't want to avoid them people. In fact, we're like, hey, teach me how to look good, but don't try to get me to act good. I want to look like you, but I still want to act like me. I want to look like Jesus, but I still want to act like me. And let me tell you something. That's where the church is. That's where the church is, the entire church, the big C church, not just this church, but every church in America. We all are like that almost all the time. Just let me look like Jesus, but don't, act, don't ask me to act like him. Don't ask me to live righteously. When the word of God cuts against my flesh, my flesh wins. But Paul said, look, you need to avoid those people. Why? Because they'll have you living that way. Next passage. Let's keep going. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. I don't want to be a part of that crowd. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I don't want to go in nobody else's house and take nobody. But this is the kind of attitude they have, right? Burdened with sin and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Woo! Don't y'all know those people? Buddy, they 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 can quote scripture for you all day long. They can give you every how to do church, how to lead church, how to be a pastor, how to be a Sunday school teacher, how to, like, they get all the knowledge, but there's just something missing. Something ain't right. He said, always learning, but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, just as Janice and Jambres, now, hey, we're going to get to that because y'all need to go back to the story, opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far. If you're like that today, let me tell you something, you won't get very far. You'll try to do church on your own ability. You'll try to look good, act good. You'll try to do all these things, but if you don't have the substance inside of you, you won't get far. That's why we see people start out, try to go a little bit, and then they just fall right back down. They ain't getting the power. They're, re- they're refusing the power. They're, they're rejecting the power. They, igno- they want the knowledge so that we can be haughty and puffed up and conceited, saying, oh, I know the truth, but do you live in the truth? Do you live in the truth? But they will not get very far, for their folly will be, a, will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Next passage. You, however, talking to Timothy, have followed my teaching. My conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings. No one likes those. 
that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Think about that. How many of them did the Lord deliver him from? You see, you see, the enemy likes to creep in and tell you that there's going to be one that maybe God can't deliver you from. Or maybe God won't deliver you from. But Paul says, no, 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 no. I've kept the teachings. I've followed it. I know what it's like because I've watched God deliver me every single time. Indeed, all who desire to live godly, live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness. And the man of God, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen? That's the scripture. Now we're going to look at something. The Bible says this, that pay attention, because in the end times, in the last days, there will come perilous times. And here's what the debate has been in the Christian world. Well, my Lord, he spoke this 2,000 years ago. Hasn't every generation had all these people in it? Slanderers, backbiters, conceited people. Hasn't that been the case for all of human history? Yes, it has. We didn't just evolve into this stuff. Once Adam and Eve took the apple, everybody was this way. Right? Everybody. So what in the world... What in the world makes me say we're living in the last days? Because I'm going I'm to answer a theological question for you. And I hope you latch on to this. Here's a secret. It was the last days. And it is the last days. Oh, wait a minute, Danny. What's that mean? We'll give you an analogy, right? Y'all see this stage right here, right? Right? From, from the time Adam and Eve bit the apple. The time of Christ coming back was marching towards the end. It started. It was going. Now, up until the time of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection, which caused peace to come upon the world, made a way for us to get back to Jesus, back to God. At that point, it came right up to the edge. Son of man died. And now, it's walking along the edge. Follow me. We're in the last days. It's been the last days, and it will be the last days, even if it goes another 100 years. That doesn't change anything. Why? Because a day is as a 1,000 years to the Lord. Our time is not God's time. I'm trying to teach y'all something so we can get into the message. So if you'll understand this with me, I think we'll be able to build on this principle. That the, the, the end was coming, the end was near, but now it's like it's walking along the edge, ready at any moment to go off. That's why the Lord said, be ready. No man knows at any moment Jesus could come back. And what does it say about the coming of Jesus? That the waiting for Jesus to come sanctifies 
his people. The last thing God would want is for us to know it's going to be another 100, 200 years before he comes back because then we're just going to live any way we want to. It is the mere fact that we don't know when it's coming and that it could have been any moment from the moment he ascended into heaven until now. It could have been any moment. It could have been any moment. And it's only by the grace of God, the mercy of God, that he has withheld the judgment long as he has. But at any moment, we could split the eastern, he could split the eastern sky and we'd be gone to heaven. Any moment, Sister Ruth. And it is that anticipating that helps me stay ready. It helps me stay ready because I don't want to miss it. I don't, I don't want to miss that. Dad talked about it Wednesday a little bit. I don't, I don't want to miss it, man. I don't want to be the one, the one that has two. and I don't want to be one of the two and then one's gone in the field and I'm just left there looking around like, what in the world? The sad truth is I wouldn't be like that because as soon as it happened, if I'm here, I'm like, oh, no. I messed up. I had a form of godliness, but I denied the power. I looked good. I talked good. I, I spoke well. I, I, I even I was there, but something was missing. Something was missing. I had a form, but no force. I had a form, but no force. And so we're going to establish this truth that these are the last days. And we're going to look at the next couple weeks that we go into this series. We're going to look at what makes this age different than all the rest of them. Because there is difference. There is a difference. And I cannot wait to tell you what that is. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. That'll be ne not next week, but the week after. There is a difference between today and 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And we're going to go through it. It's going to be amazing. But what we're going to establish is that these are the last days. The next slide, I want you to write this down if you can. This part was not written about the world, but rather a prophecy about the end time apostate church. This was not written about the secular world having a form of godliness, but it was talking about the church that would have a form of godliness. And you know what's scary? Can I just be honest with you? You know what's scary? Is that oftentimes you can't even spot it. Oftentimes in your flesh, you can't even tell because it'll look so good. Churches will look good. And you'll think, well, man, they're growing like crazy. Must be God. But what if I told you not every church that turns into a mega church was blessed by God? Whoa. Y'all don't believe me, do you? That's fine. That's fine. I was reading a book called Vertical Church. And the pastor said this. He said, one of the greatest things the enemy ever did was let churches become big that didn't have God's power in it. Because then every other church would look at him and go, ooh, I want to be like that. Because that's growing. Hey, look how big it is. I want to do exactly what they do. And the Lord's like, I, I, I'm not in there. I'm not in there, dude. I'm not in there. It may look like I'm in there. They may sing words. They may have good sermons. They may, they may have all the, all the organization and structure. They may have, you know, really good first-time guest gifts. They may have great kids programs. But anybody can program. Anybody can program. But not everybody has the spirit. Not everybody has the power. Amen. Like there's, and here's what they do. They take a little bit of the truth, and they mix it with a bunch of stuff to where you'd be like, oh, that's true. So I guess maybe all of it's true. But this, this was not written about secular church, secular world. 
This was written to Timothy to say, hey, look out. Because there's coming a day when the church will look good, but they won't have it. There's coming a day when the church will be able to look as though they have me, but I'm nowhere near them. He says, you confess me with your mouth, but with your heart, you're far from me. And you know what that means? If your heart's far from me, I'm far from you. So it wasn't written to the world, but it was written to the church. And then we're going to go to this passage. Listen to this. But understand this. In the last days, perilous times will come. I just quote, you know, I, I always give a little preface here because I was raised, my dad, he, we, we taught King James Version. My dad was in my church all growing up. So to this day, I'll quote King James, even without, like, I'm reading my ESV version, but I quote King James because it's just like, I can hear my daddy standing there preaching to me. I guess. So I quote from my daddy's voice. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't even mean for that to happen. Y'all know how good the Spirit of God is? He could take a little moment where I get on a rabbit trail and tell me a good little enlightenment of what he is. You know, you will tend to preach, teach, and declare things that your father has said over time. So some of y'all need to maybe pay a little more attention to your father and let him be the resource of your words. Oh, that's good. Somebody write that down for me so I can keep adding in my book. Kim, write that down for me. I'm just kidding. But he said, perilous times. So I did some research. I love doing research. It's my favorite thing to do. Now, you go to the side. Let me show you. Perilous. The original word, the Greek word, is kalapos. Kalapos. And here's what that means. I don't know if I put it on the side. We go to the next side. I don't know if I wrote it on there. I didn't. Perilous times. Dangerous. Fierce. Harmful. Scary. So he's saying, there's going to be a time coming where those who by just merely living in that time can be hurt, can be scared. But here's, here's something so cool that I found. This word perilous, kalapos, was used one other time in Scripture, one. And see, when it's only used once, I get excited because then I'm like, okay, that means there's some really cool things happening that I can reference here. Matthew 8, 28, the other time that this word kalapos was used in Scripture. And when he came to the other side, he being Jesus, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him. Wait a second. Wait a second. Pause, break, little moment for you. You mean Jesus didn't have to go find the demon-possessed people? Here's what's happened when someone who doesn't just have a form but has some force step onto the shore of an area, everyone takes notice. Even the demons take notice at those who stand in the power and they come running. They want see they, they, they didn't come to be set free. They come to say, hey, please don't torment us. <laughs> like they came to beg Jesus for mercy. Oh, isn't that amazing that even the demons come to Jesus to beg for mercy? Like, that's some power, right? That's so, I want that in my life, Sister Ruth. I want that in my life. I want, I want when I step in a room and people are so oppressed by a spirit of depression and anxiety that they run up to the power of God and say, whoa, can you just have, do whatever you got to do, but don't hurt, get us. And I can just watch God set people free, set them free. Like, that's what I'm asking. But here's what he says. Then the two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs. So fierce that no one could pass that way. So here's these two men, demon-possessed. And everyone is so afraid of them 
They've pushed them into tombs and said, we don't know what to do with it. It scares us. We don't know how to handle it. Just we're going to put you in the tombs because we, we're just scared. And the Lord told me, the thing about these perilous times is that the people who will be afraid during those times are those who don't understand, are those who don't quite get what's about to happen. You see people running around. They're scared. They're talking about, oh, my Lord, the end's coming. I don't know what's going to happen. They're storing all this up. They're fearful. They're afraid. They're, they're... God's like, I need my people to understand. I've already told you this is going to happen. Stand firm. Because he told Timothy, now, you don't have to worry about this because you followed my teachings. You know what the scripture says. But we got a bunch of scared Christians you know, it, it, it very well, can I just speak to the moment? It very well may get really, really bad. You got a bunch of Christians on this side that say it's going to get awful. Then you got a bunch of Christians on this side saying, hey, there's a, there's a revival coming. It's going to be all right. And then you got a bunch of people in the middle going, I don't know what to believe. Is it going to get really bad? Is it going to be okay? Is it going to get really bad? Is it going to be okay? I'd rather it to be okay, but I'm also scared maybe it won't be okay. We got a bunch of, here's what I'm here to tell you. It doesn't matter. Somebody, yes, it does. I got a 401k and the market keeps crashing. I don't have nothing. <laughs> you know what? I count my blessings. I don't have a, I'm not wealthy enough to have a 401k plan. I got a 101. Like it's just me and karma. 101. That's all we got. Whatever we can pull together is how we'll make it, you know? <laughs> but the Lord said, it doesn't matter. If it gets bad, I got you. If it doesn't, I got you. If things fall away tomorrow, I got you. If they don't, I've still got you. So, hey, perilous times, scary, dangerous, whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as you don't just have a form. As long as you just don't just look good. There's hope. There's hope. He says, so perilous times, scary, scary for people. It's not scary for me. Anybody scared anymore? I hope you're not. I hope just that one little phrase. I, I probably never happens, you know. But I'm hoping that that one little phrase, that God's got you no matter what, it just releases the fear. I'm all right, man. I'm all right. I'm all right. God's got me, amen? Perilous times. Go ahead and go to the next one. I, I wrote that down for y'all. It's scary to those who don't understand what they are. Go to the next slide. And here we go, First, verse 5 of chapter 3. And this is where the Lord's going to help us land. It says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know, here's the thing about this walk with Christ that I really want us all to get to, is that Irregardless of what you know, how long you've been in it, who you've been following, some great teacher, some great preacher, I don't know. Irregardless of all of that. None of that, none of that will be the thing that sustains you in the moments of trouble. None of it. What will sustain you is the power that accompanies the Spirit of God. I had someone tell me the other day, she said, Danny, she said, why are you, why, you've, you've kind of transitioned into this really uh, emphatic preacher about the Holy Spirit. 
Why have you done that? And she wasn't saying it critical. She was really trying to figure out what's happened on the inside of me that made me do this. I said, let me tell you something, sis. Oh, I just gave it away who it was, didn't I? Tack on it. <laughs> Dang it. I like to keep people, I like to keep my, my, ah, I blew it. Sorry, it was her. It was this one, right? Okay. This one right here. But here's the, here's the secret of what God's done in my life. I was raised in a church where I experienced the power of God all the time. All the time. I've seen miracles. Like, I've seen it all, sis. Seen it, we've seen it all. Incredible. Lame people healed. Cancer gone. I've seen it all. And then I spent about 10 years of my life where because I was kind of disgusted with some of the things I've seen in people. Here's a secret, guys. No matter where you're at, you got to deal with people. It's just life. You can't, you can't, oh, yeah, well, there's people there too. I'm going to be honest with you. They're just cold people, right? But you're going to have to deal with people. And there's going to be a lot of people who are real and a lot of people who are fake. But what I did is I latched on to the fake. And said, you know, I don't want none of that no more. I don't want none of it no more. I'd rather be genuinely this than pretend this. Because even though I was surrounded by the power, I could still be a form with no power. And so for about 10 years of my life, Sister Ruth, I said, nope, not anymore. I'm going to go to this church, and I'm going to become intellectual. It didn't work. Look at me. Still here. Not there yet. <laughs> Working on that process. But I said, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to become intellectual. I'd rather just know the word. So about 10 years of my life, I spent doing that. And I'd watch as me and my wife would go through seasons, and we'd, have, we'd just encounter things, and we could never overcome them. Never. Never get through them. I'd just meet obstacle and fall. Meet obstacle and fall. Anybody, like, anybody else been in that season of your life? It's like, Dad, come it. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible, and I'm still, every obstacle I hit is like a trip at the top of it. If I was running hurdles, every single one of them would be knocked down in my life. But then there came a time where my <laughs> imperfection met a decision that I made that catastrophically destroyed my life. I ran into a hurdle that I couldn't climb, that I couldn't jump, and it wiped me out to where I was left but nothing but pieces shattered everywhere. My life about over. Everything God had given me, almost gone. And then I encountered something. Something that I had seen growing up. Something that I had witnessed. Something that I had been such, a, 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 such an opportunity of mine to be a part of. I seen it happen. And then I encountered the moment that the incredible power of God entered my life. And y'all want to know what I was doing when that happened? Laying on the laundry room floor of my house, bawling like a baby, saying, God, it's all over. But I know that if I can have but one thing, it would be you. Even if you can't fix it, 
I still need you. Even if you can't reconcile at all, I still need you. Apparently, I've been doing this the wrong way for a very long time, and it's got me here to the place to where my form could not hold up, to where the form could not hold up under the weight. And I was shattered, and I watched. I didn't just watch. I became a testimony of what God's power can do. I became living proof. Y'all need somebody? Y'all want somebody that y'all can hang up? I can give you a picture. I'll take a picture. We'll hang. I'll hand them out later. It's fine. I'll even autograph. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But y'all could have this picture of me, and y'all could say, hey, that guy right there, he almost lost everything because of his form of godliness. I did. I did, didn't I, Dad? Almost lost it all because I had a good form, but I had no substance. I didn't have nothing in me that helped me be in, have to be a man of integrity. I didn't have no character. I just had a good look. I just had good words. I had eloquent speech. I had the facade of someone that was faithful, but my form could not hold up underneath the weight of my choices. I was the conceited one. I was the boastful one. I was the proud one. I was the lover of myself. I was the lover of things more than God. That was me. But I stand here today saying, if not for the power, I finally accepted the power. Y'all like, but you don't understand. I've been fighting this for eight years. That's fine. Get a hold of the power. But Danny, you don't understand. I've tried. I've tried. You've been trying with no power. Could you imagine? Could you imagine in today's society trying to operate your life with no I'm talking literal power. It would be unbearably hard. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. So why have I changed? Because here's a secret. Here's a secret. Once you've experienced something to the point to where it becomes an absolute confirmation in your soul that you know more doubt it at all. You can't help but tell other people about it. Oh my gosh. When that change happens, you can't help but, hey, 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 got something. Hey, come here, come here, come here. Y'all seen that? Y'all seen that little video of that dog? We're running up to the window. It's like, hey, I don't want to tell you about my Lord and Savior Jesus. You seen that part? And they're running away from you. Like, no, 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 I don't want to. See, that's, that's me right now because I've had that experience. I've had that road to Damascus experience where I was thought I was doing the will of God, but I was harming a lot of people. And the Lord struck me down and said, hey, stop it. You're only looking good. I need you to be good. Got a great look to you. Had a great look to you. But now I need you to have substance. I've talked to so many people. said, why can't I change? Why isn't things happening? Get a hold of the power. Get a hold of the power. Stop denying it. Because here's some really cool things. Go to the next slide. The Greek word for form is morphosis. Morphosis. 
It says, looks good outwardly, but has no substance. Write that word down because it's used in a couple other times. I'm not going to get into it because I've already, I've already went pretty long. But just go back and do a research on that word, Sister Ruth. It'll blow your mind. It's incredible. This, this word form, it, it's very hard to really break down because it's like, it, it, it's, it's like a mannequin. Anybody seen any of these mannequins? I, got, I was watching this video the other day. I like videos. It's, they're fun. And this guy dressed up, and he put a white mask on. He put white gloves on, white tights on, and he went into Target. And he was standing there beside the mannequins like this. And then when people would come by, he kind of, hey, what are you doing? But one time what happened was he was sitting on the booth or on one of the shelves, uh, the little stands there. He was sitting like this. And the family walked by, and he looked so real. like It looked, it looked like a mannequin. And so the kid got tired and was going to sit on the mannequin's lap. <laughs> and so the kids went to sit on his lap. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. And the parents lost. The mom took off running. I'm like, that's not a very good mom. Like, wait a minute. You go get your kid. Like, that. like she loses. Ah, they got running. And the kid and the dad are like, where's she going? Like, like Sad part is, that would be me. We, me and Karma are reverse. I would be the one screaming, running. We're like, take the kids, take the kids. <laughs> Leave me alone, you know? But what I, what I, what I like to kind of give you just a picture of is that what I look at or what I think of when I see this passage is I think of mannequin Christians. They, they, they kind of look, you know, you need to put some clothes on them and they look like, well, it looks pretty good. But you know what they can't do? They can't talk, can't walk, can't lift, can't carry, can't do anything for you. They just there for looks. Anybody got any Christian friends in your life? Maybe you're that Christian friend. Hey, I got a good Christian friend here, but, but they just look like it. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to move past that and move into the power so that when people come to us, we can actually help them. Anybody want to help anybody today? Like, is it, or, or is your Christianity just about helping you? See, that's a very quick way to become formed Christians. Is when your Christianity becomes about you. Ooh, I get to go to church today so God will talk to me and help me and bless me. I, want, I, wonder, if, I, wonder, I wonder what would happen. Just, here's a little challenge for y'all, for us as a body. I wonder what happened if next Sunday all of us came in and said, I'm going to church to bless somebody else today. I'm going to church to bless somebody else today. I want to go to church, and that person who sits over there in the corner, I want to go talk to them. I want to love on them. I want to go to church, and I'm going to worship in a way that maybe my worship helps set people free. Somebody like, that doesn't work. Okay, just go read about Paul and Silas. I'm not even going to reference the scriptures for you. Just go read Paul and Silas. Don't tell me your worship can't help other people get set free. Right? Don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. The reason why that isn't happening is because you ain't worshiping. The reason why people around you ain't getting set free, you ain't worshiping. You're, you're, you're complaining. You're, 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 you're doing everything else, but you ain't worshiping. That might be hard. I, I almost want to stay right there and talk to you all for just a minute about worship, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. But let me tell you something. People around you can be set free if you'd worship freely. I love watching people. I'm, anybody else a people watcher? I love to watch people. Yeah, I got some people. Most of the time because they're good for good laughs every once in a while, aren't they? Yeah. So y'all watch me long enough, y'all laugh. It'd be all right. I'm good with it. 
all right? But I'm a people watcher, so I like to watch people. But my favorite time to watch people is when they begin to worship. Because I could come in, I could be down. Yeah, your pastor's like that sometimes. But man, when I look around, I watch y'all. I watch these people up here on stage. I look behind me and people with their hands raised. I'm like, okay, Walker, let's go. You can get out of your mess. You can step beyond it. You can push through it. So your worship can be the thing that sets people free, but you're not worshiping. You're just sitting back with a good form. Maybe you've even learned how to have good form during worship. Maybe you've even raised your hand to kind of get involved, but there's no heart behind it. The Bible says that there will come a time when those who worship him will worship him in, in spirit and in truth. Truth. Having a form but no power, that's not truthful. Having a form but no power, that's not truthful. So, looks good on the outward, and we're going to finish with this. Joshua, you can come on up, buddy. Next slide, Caleb. But denying the power thereof. Denying the power thereof. Arneomai. Arneomai. To reject or refuse. Wouldn't it? To me, it's so hard to look around right now because of where God's brought me to. It's so hard for me to look around and watch people truly reject the power of the Holy Spirit. Just say, no, nah, I don't want none of that. Because, I, because knowing what it can do and watching people say, no, nah, I don't want that, it breaks your heart. It's like, but wait a minute. But wait a minute. You want freedom. You, you want victory. But, but the very thing that will do that, you're, you're running from. You're rejecting it. You're refusing it. It's like, but, but you don't understand. I'm accepting, you know, to be at church, and I'm, I'm willing to, to read a little bit, and I'm, I'm willing to, to be here. But, 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 that, but hang on. That doesn't, that, that's not the entirety of it all. That's not the fullness of what God wants for you. He wants you to have power beyond belief. This word power is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. Here's what I'm going to say. Say this real fast. The Bible says that if you have the, size, the faith of the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain and it could be cast into the sea. You know what I like to do sometimes? I say, hang on. Y'all want to know how they break down mountains and put roads through mountains? Oh, we're going to go somewhere, sis. Hang on. Buckle up. Buckle up. When they want to put a road through a mountain, because here's the thing. How many of y'all had mountains that God just ain't moved? You're like, Danny, I've been praying for this mountain to move because I went on the other side and I don't, I, I ain't got it in me to climb. But I'd really just like, woo, Jesus moved the mountain and he's not moving it. Here's what I want to challenge you with. What if God wants you to exercise your dunamis against that mountain. Why, why, why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just move it? It's easier. He's, he's powerful. He can just move it. Because he wants you to see. 
He wants you to see what you got. He wants you to see what he's given you. He wants you to know what lies on the inside of this sleeping giant. He wants you to know that, hey, not every mountain's going to be cast into the sea, but you can take your dynamite. You can take that power and begin to lay it on the foundations of that mountain and light it up and blow it apart, and you can begin to walk through the road that the power inside of you creates against the mountain. Stop waiting on God to move the mountain and stick your dynamite in the mountain. Dunamis. My dad always told me growing up, he says, son, don't judge a book by its cover. When you're looking at people, he said, dynamite comes in small packages. I thought that was just a cliche. Like, wait a minute, dad. Dad, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. But then, I, but then I realized it actually does. And you want to know why? I'm going to teach you a little lesson about dynamite. You want to know why they only ship it in small containers? Because they know that if you get too much dynamite together in one spot and something unsettles the balance, oh, dear Lord, Here's the thing. This is why. This is why. This is why it's so important to have people with you, to have those other boxes of dynamite, because sometimes it's a real big mountain. And sometimes I need to be like, hey, Pris, come here. Stay here. Hey, Jordan, let's go right here. Mom, I need more. I need more packages. I'm a little package. But I know if I can get more people who got that power in them. See, but you can't do it with people who don't have the power in them. You can't do it because you're just accumulating boxes, empty boxes. And you're wondering why in the world your mountain isn't being blown apart because you got all these people. God's like, they ain't got the power. So surround yourself and y'all walk up to that mountain and y'all say, man, if you won't move, you're going to wish you did because I'm blowing a hole right through y'all. I mean, I mean, just imagine if we got that kind of gumption in us. Y'all seen people that got gumption. Y'all know what that word means? Gumption. That's an old timey word, right? That's an old, but a person who knows who they are, what they are, and when they walk into a room, what they bring and how they bring it. And they don't need anybody's validity to make them feel better. They don't need anybody making them feel any good than what they are. They know, hey, when I walk in this place, I got something that can change everything. Let me tell you something. Imagine if the church got some gumption in them. And stop playing this weak, kowtowing to the enemy. And look, yeah, it's going to get, it's perilous. It's dangerous. It's say, it's scary. But it ain't to me because he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. You want to know what will overcome the world? The Bible says he came into the world and overcame the world so that we too can do it. Man, I just, I, I just want some people with some gumption. I want some people to know who they are. Because then we can walk out there and we can be confident and not have to, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe I, maybe, I, maybe I ain't got the right power to walk into this situation. I'll finish with this story and we're done. New Testament story. 
the disciples of Jesus. Jesus is up on the mountain praying. Disciples are down here doing ministry. And when Jesus comes down, he sees a scene of this family with a demon-possessed kid. And it's, I can, I, can just, I can just picture the scene in my head if you'll picture it with me. Here comes Jesus down from talking to his father, comes down, sees the disciples, and everyone with a confused look on their face. We don't, we don't know what's going on here. And Jesus is like, well, what just happened? And his disciples say, okay, hey, um, what had happened was while you were up there, this woman came with a demon-possessed kid, and we tried to cast it out. Because um, <clears throat> we've seen you do it, you know. And we even prayed like you pray. You know, like we, we made sure we did it, you know, along the same lines, right? Because um, we've seen it. But, but nothing happened. Anybody ever done that in your life? You've heard, you've, you've kind of seen God do stuff? You've kind of seen people pray and things happen? And so you're like, well, I just pray like that. I'm going to pray exactly like them, and God's going to do it. No, that's not how it works. Jesus goes, oh, gosh. Oh, you of little faith. And I was like, well, wait a minute. You know, at first when I read that story, I was like, well, wait a minute. Why they got little faith? At least they prayed over the demon-possessed child. How many of y'all right now sitting where you're at in your life, someone walks in and says, hey, this person, this demon says, will you pray for them? You're about, hmm. Hang on. Um, hey, come Hey, Pastor. Yeah, uh, I'm going to need you for a minute. Is that what we would do? Is that what we would do? Because, see, I kind of think it would. Y'all like, well, why are you judging me? I ain't judging you because you know what I would do? Hey, Dad. Uh, I'm going to need you to come to my house real fast. <laughs> Bring Jesus with you. Okay. <laughs> Dial back. Make sure you bring Jesus, okay? That's what I'm saying. And so I was like, why they got little faith? At least they prayed for him. At least they tried. But Jesus wasn't being critical. Jesus wasn't condemning them. Jesus was letting them know something's missing. Something's missing. You did try, but something's missing. You, you did do, but something's missing. And you know what it was? You know what it was? His force. And what's his force? I'm glad you asked. The Bible talks that Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Now, now you take him after Acts 2. Same disciples who couldn't pray that demon-possessed child free. They were walking by people and their shadow was healing them. Wait a minute. They went from praying the eloquent prayer and nothing happening to not having to pray at all and things changing in people's lives. What was it? What was the difference? Where is the line of demarcation? Acts chapter 
too. So why do I preach about the Holy Spirit now? Why do we talk about who He is? Why do we invest in teaching others about it? Why do we say you need it? Because it is the thing that takes your words and makes them have power. That takes your actions and gives them movement. That's the difference. We cannot be a church simply that has a form that can sing good, preach good, talk good, but people come in broken and leave broken, sick and leave sick, damaged and leave damaged. That's not what we're here for. But if that's what you want, you can go home. Oh, pastor, don't say that. The Bible says, I I put before you today life and death. Choose life. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold for if you're lukewarm, we'll spit you out of my mouth. Wait a second. So you ain't, the Lord's telling me I got to choose? Oh, darling, yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. But here's the sweetness of God. He's always ready to give. Always. Always. So I don't know where, I don't know if, if you're dealing with some of this stuff or you, you feel challenged in your spirit. I don't want to just live a life that looks good. Danny, I need that power. Danny, I want that power. Here's what he said. If any man wants, let him ask of God. Who gives freely? Who gives freely and withholds nothing? I would not want to live this life if it didn't have power with it. My gosh. I'll just go read a few self-help books and try it that way. But I need power, Randall. I need power to do this. We need power to reach a world that's lost and dying and going to hell. We need power. So I'm asking, will you seek after that? Will you pursue that? Will you ask God, God, I'm tired of living out of my head. I want to live out of the Spirit. Man, I want to see those things Danny talked about. I'm going to close with this and I'm done. Y'all keep saying, man, he keeps saying that. You're right, I do. I'm terrible at this. You'd think after so long I'd be better, Kim, but I'm just not. People have always told me, can you keep your, you know, can we just narrow this down a little bit? I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I get up here and I just do what God tells me to do. All right? Be transparent just for a moment. I'm sitting at a store just this week. And I'm watching a family come in the doors. And look over. And I'm watching them walk in with this little boy. Obviously has some medical issues. I'll tell you where we're at. We're at Just Jump. I just clicked. We're at Just Jump with our kids. And our kids are out there just running and jumping and flipping and all this stuff. And they come in with this kid. Can't do any of that. Can't do any of that. And I watch as the mom and dad try to get out there with them on a trampoline a little bit. Just do something simple with them. And y'all want to know what I sat there and thought about the whole time? 
why can't, why can't I just go over there and pray for them? Because what, what, you know, and, and this is my thought process. Y'all may think I'm crazy. That's fine. I'm good with it. My whole thought process was like, man, could you imagine the glory that would be declared from this if I was just to walk up and begin to pray for that child and that child's disabilities disappear? But you, you know what happened? sat there. And some of you are like, well, Danny, that's fine. I mean, you, what if you done went up to him and prayed and it didn't work and you just look stupid? What if? I, what if? What if that would have happened? Oh, oh, well, the worst thing that would have happened was they had someone care so much about them and declared that I'm going to try to show you Jesus in this moment. I'm going to want, can I pray with you? Can I pray for your son? Can I pray for this situation? You think they would have left going, now how dare him? How dare him pray for my son? No, but what stopped me was I became fearful of what if I can't do it? But what if it did? Woo, hang on a second. What would happen if we all started living like that and said, hey, it may not. Oh, but what if it does? I didn't see the difference. See, here's what happened to me. Man, I really want to, but what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? And you know what I did? Here's a sad truth. Some of you are like, man, it's getting, no, 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 listen to me because this is Holy Spirit talking right now. This ain't me. Here's what I did. You can ask my wife because she was right, right next to me. I looked up, wanted to pray for him. I literally had a pool in my spirit. Go pray for that kid. Like, nope. But what did I do? I turned away and said, well, what if it doesn't work? I think it's a little too much. And I turned back down to my phone. And you know what I was in the middle of doing? Create, Caleb, go, go back. Go keep going back until I tell you to stop. Keep going back. Go back, 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 back. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Stop. You know what I was doing? I was making that image on my phone. And I was writing on top of it, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I was sitting and just jump researching what does it mean to deny the power of. I was researching, Kim, what does it mean to deny the power of God? And I'm standing here right now, not saying that if I would have went over there anything. But saying if I had went over there, I would have been obedient. But I said, nope. Nope. But what if? What if, Sister Ruth? What if that was God's crazy ordained divine appointment for me to walk in faith and to see the power of God? But because of fear of what might, could, should, maybe, might happen, I walked away from it and denied it, having a form, but denied the power thereof. Dad, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? But how about we change it and go, man, <laughs> it may not work, but what if? What if it does? 
What if it does? Hey, I'm all right looking a little crazy. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with it now because I'm telling you, God has, God has literally wore me out over the last few days about that. Please don't leave thinking that I think that I'm anything. It wasn't me. Oh, I'm not one of these guys who think I hold the key. But I am one of these guys who knows I hold the key. Huh? Huh? I'm not one of these guys who thinks I am the key. But I am one of those guys who knows I hold the key. Do we not know that we hold this treasure in earthen vessels? That if we would but not be a city that is crowned, that is covered up, would we not take a candle and put it on the mantle? Would we cover it up? Or would we say, hey, Lord devil, look at this inside of me. For he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. I'm made more than an overcomer. I can speak to things. I can walk on the waters. I can walk through the fire and not be burned. I can tread on serpents and not be stung because of him that is in me. But you know what? Danny's still learning. Danny's still growing. And here's what you'll see hand on the Bible, my heart to God telling you this much right now. If I ever ever am in that position again, somebody going to leave knowing I prayed for them. It's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? World be damned. It's going to happen. Because I am not going to miss giving God all the opportunities that he can that he can stand. God, there he is again. God, he's praying over somebody again. Let's go. I'm going to give him as many opportunities as I can. I'm going to start praying for people. Maybe they don't even want prayer. I don't care. But hey, let me pray for you. Because what if? What if? You, you, you know how sad this is? Oh, can, can somebody give me three or four more minutes? Like, I'm sorry. Y'all probably hungry, but that's fine. All right. This is how bad it is for me as a pastor. And so maybe you can relate a little bit. My wife and I walked through some difficult times together. She's suffering from some things. But you know what? The devil gets me. I don't even pray over her out loud. Oh, some of y'all, I can't be here no more. We're going to leave. Just being honest with y'all. You want to know why? Because we've prayed for this thing so much that I feel like uh, she's just going to think, all right, she's probably tired of me praying. And honestly, at this point, I don't want to just keep doing it. But, but here's my question that the Spirit just dropped in me. But what if it's today? Well, it wasn't yesterday, but what if it's today, son? What what if it's today, Aaron, when everything in your home changes? What if it's today? What, what, What if it's today, Danny, when that depression leaves her? What if it's today? What if it's today, Danny? When you get when they get baptized in the Holy Spirit and things change in life. What if it's today, Danny? 
You're gonna you're gonna stop one day short, Daniel, or yeah, you're gonna stop on day 20, or you're gonna make it to day 21. What are you gonna do? What if it's today? What if it's today that your kids stop being sick? What if it's today your marriage is restored? What if it's today the enemy gets off your back? What if it's today you get restoration? What if it's today peace comes to your heart? What if it's today that joy is restored? What if it's today? What if it's today? see that day with a form no matter how good you make it look no matter how pretty you dress it up the only thing that makes that day happen is force his force his power what if it's today what if it's today what if today got you God got you here for a reason what if, what, if, what if it's today that all those things in your life you've been praying about, God breaks wide open? What if today God opens up the, hev- the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing on you you can't contain? What if it's today that your mental health is restored? What if it's today? That's all. I, I just hear that in my heart right now. I hear that in the heavenly saying, somebody needs to hear it. What if it's today? I'm here to tell you, it is today.